And I can tell, you know, you're a pretty genuine guy, but you can share with us a little bit about how things really happen in Montana. Yeah. So you see where I'm coming from I with do. all that. Yeah. Do you think I'm wrong? I I personally really like Get limited market. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> limited license markets only. I do not really like, for example, New York or California even um, just because I think too many licenses have been given out. It kind of seems like a dumpster fire now. Surplus, and black surplus, market. Yeah. And what happens in that situation, right, and is a bunch of companies market. go under, yeah. but they don't go under. They just move all their stuff to the black market. Yeah. That's yeah. what you see in California. Yeah, of course. So how do you Same address with you that? Yeah, right. you know? Well, you and cut their fingers off. <laughs> yeah. Unshackled MJ BizCon 2023. We are now six seconds into the show, but I wouldn't know that because the clock hasn't started. <laughs> Meet Unshackled. We've been through California, we've been through all these great, great states, and now we are traveling up north to the state of Montana, which I have got to know over the last 10 years produced some of the great cannabis minds and players in the American cannabis industry mysteriously. From whatever was happening up there and the history of Montana, they've been doing stuff up there and then they migrated out and helped create the Arizona market in 2012. Mm. Let's figure out what's going on in Montana, what the current market structure is, and a little bit about the evolution. Let me introduce you to our co-host. Hey guys, I'm Sergio. Uh, I live in Arizona. I work with Dimitri at Mita and I've been doing cannabis since 2016, working in many markets, but not Montana. So I'm very curious to see, um, you know, what the history of Montana is, and you definitely piqued my interest. In yeah, and, 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 and I didn't know that. And you're so. the perfect person to, add, to I know nothing to about interview Montana. them because you, he's a licensing uh, licensing expert, application expert. You know, how do you get into the market expert in Maryland and a bunch of other states? But he knows nothing about Montana, and this is and he is extremely knowledgeable in the cannabis space, and so am I. So this is why we're doing this to give people points of contact and a little bit of overview. What is, oh, let's introduce you guys. Uh, tell a little about yourself. Yeah, your great. Evan Kajander. I own Apogee Gardens. We're based out of Bozeman in Montana. Um, I've been in the business since 2017. And my name is Jonathan Ballard. Uh, I'm our director of business development and finance for a company called Leafy Pack. Um, I got in the cannabis space around 2015 uh, as a, one of the few direct lenders in this space. So watching it grow has been very exciting with all the changes going on. And I live in Bozeman, Montana, and from there. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, when did Montana go medical? So that's an interesting question because there have been several iterations of the medical program right. in Montana. Yeah. The latest one started in 2017, and that's when I jumped in. Right. But there had been two previous programs that had at some point been killed by the legislature. I believe it was 2004 was the initial uh, attempt to do medical. And as Evan said, there was a lot of uh, house bills going through that were trying to get it off the ground. Yeah, aren't there like documentaries written about uh, that you can watch about this? I think I saw one. You know, anymore there's uh, documentaries on everything, so I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, yeah. But maybe I haven't seen one of these. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I think I've heard about it, so you I do think like it a, exists. like a two-story uh, state house where there's like a balcony, right? Mm -hmm. And then people can yell and throw shit and stuff? Yep. <laughs> That's the capital in <laughs> I Helena. Think, I think yep. that yep. the Google uh, documentary Montana legalization history of 
and it will pop up. So we're giving yeah. people resources. If Kevin Costner's in it, then that's the wrong Yellowstone. It's the wrong, it's the wrong yeah. show. No, no, it's really hokey, and it talks about the, like the wars and the DEA and stuff mm. and all this yep. crazy stuff that happened up there. Yeah. I, I didn't know anybody of the people, but I remember watching it sometime a long time ago. So uh, Montana's currently still medical. No, we went wreck in 2022, January 1st. I missed that one. Yep. Yep. Why didn't you apply for applications up there? I don't think they have applications. Well, so it's interesting. There's been a new license moratorium in place exactly. since REC started. So if you're a medical provider, you were grandfathered into the REC program, and they've only let a few other people in since then. There's been a moratorium in place, so very few new companies have entered since, basically since 2017. And How many are there right now? Uh, there's a little over 300 providers, Okay. so okay. licensed providers, and that could mean a number. They could just be growers. They could be grower and processor or grower, processor, and dispensaries. So they're vertical. Ver so the medical program required verticality. Yep. You had to have your own grow, your own processing, and your own dispensaries. When REC hit, they opened it up, so suddenly people could you know, focus on what they do best. Can you process, create a brand, and sell it to the other 300? You can. So it is yep. web. Yep. I like that. You can. And like Florida, you know, you can't do that, right? So. And I think that helps because groups like Apogee Gardens or, you know, shout out a couple others, Top Shelf Botanicals and, and Lionheart, um, getting it early like these guys did and, and pioneering that way helps bring the other people in with a limited population and lim limited spotlight for us to have resources, whether it's um, medical use or just resources for our cannabis providers. Um, it's important to have people like Apogee Gardens and Evan and his team to help move that industry forward in a, in a sustainable way. Mm. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about you and, and your business structure and what you do, just yeah. before we go back to the Absolutely. Market. You know, my background is oil and gas. I spent most of my life working for ExxonMobil, and there's a lot of similarities between oil and gas and cannabis. So when I made this switch over to cannabis, it, yeah. I don't want to say seamless, but I, I got the basic concept. I love these Montana guys. You know what? It's a red state. Self-starters. They get involved in oil and gas. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, Oil, gas, cannabis, you know? Yeah. And, uh, my and, mom is in mining. So yeah. She used to live uh, near Glacier that. Park. Yeah, yeah Glacier. Yeah, yeah Glacier. Um, he's, like a, he's like an urban core, no, no, Berkeley, no, no, no. Berkeley hippie, like liberal. What are you talking about? No. And ag agriculture has been part of Montana. Like my, yeah. my family comes from uh, wheat farming. Uh, wheat, not to be confused with weed, yeah, out of eastern Montana. It's our largest export, and mm. so agriculture is in the boat, you know, in the roots of the state and the population. So, if there's one thing we know how to do, it's growing things. Mm. Yeah, and sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just admiring you, and I appreciate that. I can feel that Montana spirit <laughs> in you. Keep going about your business. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, not a whole lot to tell. Basically, started off with a small grow, reinvested, and have just grown over the years. You know, it's gotten more competitive. As we all know, inflation, labor costs are way up. We're finally seeing some price pressure in Montana, so mm -hmm. really focused on healthy margins, right. uh, utilizing technology to reduce labor, but in general, just slowly piecemealing this thing together bit by bit. What kind of grow do you have? Indoor, yeah. greenhouse? All indoor, about 15,000 square feet, um, all LED. Um, what does a pound go for, for so, indoor right now? So, you know, uh, on wholesale? the wholesale market, yeah. Somewhere between 12 and 16. And what was it Arizona prices? Uh, yeah. Man, when the program first hit, we were selling $2,500 pounds left and right. So gotcha. it has gone down. Are there any like outdoor grows? There, so there are a few, and they were grandfathered in. And mm. basically, if you didn't have an outdoor grow in medical, you don't get one in rec. So there's a few. Now, there's plenty of greenhouse grows. Those are considered legal as long as they're fully enclosed and not hoop houses. Yep. Right. They have to have, like, big fences and security yep. cameras and all that kind of stuff? Yep. I, I want to touch on uh, the technology aspect because I think 
that's really important. Um, and we're seeing that in newer states as well. But Montana, as new people are entering that market and, and being in automation and then previously in finance, controlling the margins from, from day one, um, expecting that drop in price. Mm. You can't throw labor at this problem forever because those prices will never retain it that long. So we were actually discussing our automation systems to be able to you know, both lower costs, increase throughput, but really margin control. Yep. Because um, none, none of those prices will ever stay that high. And I think Mar Montana's done a really good job. And you know, we were talking earlier, you were texting back and forth with the guys from Lionheart and, and we're a tight knit community. Mm. So, you know, we all all ships rise a high tide and, and we're we're very close in that state. What are some of the struggles in growing cannabis in Montana? <laughs> well obviously regulatory. Okay. Right. Well, the cows are trying to eat the weed. Okay. Oh yeah, not so much. Is it too cold for the plant? So, or, you or know, the, the biggest thing that we deal with is um, uh, a lot of regulatory stuff, right? How do you create a level playing field enforcement, mm -hmm. right? Level enforcement right. across the right. industry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we know how to grow things when it's really cold in Montana because it's cold there a lot. So I wouldn't say that's an issue. Um, obviously, we have the same pest problems that we've seen decimate crops on the West Coast, you know, and mm -hmm. so we're constantly dealing with IPM mm -hmm. programs. Um, but, you know, a lot of good growers. We grow a lot of good weed and marijuana. We really do. Mm -hmm. Haven't you seen Legends of the Fall? How, <laughs> well, there's how a famous involved scene are where they're growing outside. How involved are they with your facility? And then also, you know, how difficult is it with the testing for the products once you... Great. You know, once they're ready to... Great question. You know, we are... So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit testing first. Testing costs are going up. Okay. Uh, they are adding uh, additional tests... Uh, basically every session. Okay. And so, you know, that's one of the struggles, especially smaller providers are, are facing. Right. I mean, how do we, you know, if if 20% of my margin is testing costs, how do I survive, mm -hmm. right? Um, on the legislator side, right, there's a disconnect. I think overall, the program in Montana is pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. You know, the, there's a disconnect between the legislature and the Department of Revenue. So this legislature makes you know, all the laws, okay. and the department has to interpret what they've done and turn that into rules. And that interpretation has been the, the a challenge. Yeah, challenge, no and, doubt. And they're working closer together. There is a lot of work to um, involve the Department of Revenue even more so because it's still working with DPHHS and all these things. And so there has been a big push because people in Montana also love their cannabis, and I think we all want it to succeed. Mm. And so that Department of Revenue coming in and helping with those testing, you know, like any like any state, there's a lot of lab shopping, trying to push numbers. And, and it's, it's guys like Apogee and other these good actors that are are trying to maintain that course and be advocates for uh, quality testing and regulatory bodies to be a little more involved. I know it's scary for some, but the more regulation that is interpreted in the right way will only benefit the people involved in the, in the industry. I, I definitely agree. And I think that's a balance that's hard to strike for a lot of states, mm -hmm. right? Like how do you make the product safe for consumers by enforcing quality control through testing, mm -hmm. but then also allow small farmers or guys that are doing um, smaller batches to also also be able to play in the market. And, you know, how does how is Montana handling that? Because well, in Arizona, we only have big grows. What I'd like to much. see is, you know, for example, they're putting in required heavy metals testing. Okay. Yep. I think heavy metals should be tested for, but you could do that randomly, mm -hmm. so you don't get charged every single time you test, right? And so it's finding that balance that you were talking yep. about between making sure the product's safe, but making sure providers can make a living. Right. Yep. Yeah. 
So a little bit more, let me, and on testing is a great theme. We haven't really talked too much about, I mean, there's so much to talk about with every state. It's well, testing really. is, the, is one of the hardest things, I think, for growers. I mean, you saw yeah. Michigan had a, such a terrible time when yeah. they were starting out. I mean, the labs were shut down. There was um, Or Missouri had the recall yep. recently. Yep. Yep. You know, it's, I mean, it's for farm. Imagine you, you spend all that money and time growing this. You save those plants from all those things that are trying to get at them. Yeah. And then you... You know, send it off, and then suddenly your all that crop is gone just because of you know some batch. It's right? tragic. Yeah, yeah we it's could, a big it's a big deal. We could do a whole series on the nuances <laughs> okay, of testing right, state right, by state. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's very important that aspect of the industry. I'm a little bit more curious though about the business opportunities, the business development aspects of it. You know, where the opportunities lie in Montana for people who are looking in Montana. Obviously, brands want to migrate into Montana. Yeah. They need to work through an existing yep. processor. Yep. Uh, retailers, it's limited, so there's not like an MSO type, you know, yep. market coming up there. Um, but what about like this uh, adult use licenses being issued in the future? Is that going to happen? Yeah. So the moratorium goes through July 1st of 2025. Mm -hmm. So okay. theoretically, starting then, they'll accept new applications. Now there's, you know, we're getting gearing up for the next legislative session, and there's some discussions about how to roll that out because you've seen states like Oklahoma where they just said. If you want a license, you can have it. And it, it creates a problem from supply and demand perspective. And so, you know, we're talking about things like a lottery system and releasing a certain amount every year and things like that. And so we'll see where the legislature lands. But I think sometime in 2025, you're going to see new companies entering the market. That's interesting. Why did they do that moratorium in the first place? Was that like a, a lobbying effort or was that what so was going on there? So the, remember, the, what's we're, the we're, behind a red, the scenes? we're a red state, right? right? Yep. And like, so like the legislature said hey, we want a couple more years to get a handle on this program okay. and make sure it's rolling out in the right way and right. also give these Montana-owned businesses a couple more years to develop, yep. and then we'll let in new competition. And oh, so that okay. was the, the idea behind it. Again, we, we're, we take care of our own, and uh, you know, while we're open, I mean, Yellowstone, Glacier, I mean, there's 3 million people a year just visit those places alone, and that's only car numbers. And so when we're looking at how to control that market and how to control Montana, we've got to give people the runway to make the right decision because we, we saw what just happened in Oklahoma mm. and it's currently happening. Right. Uh, well, you've got to control those licensing systems. I mean, that's subject to a little interpretation. I'm no, more of like he's, an he's, Adam Smith free market yeah, guy. Yeah. That's just what we make. Mostly because I do not like to deny opportunity to those who don't have it. So this is an interesting segue. In Montana, liquor licensing Mm -hmm. is done in a similar way that they're proposing doing cannabis licensing, right. which basically says we're going to look at the population of a community and we're going to see how many liquor licenses that community needs, mm -hmm. right? And then if those are all given out, if you want to get in, you have to buy an existing license. Yep. And right. so, you know, I think that's a fair way to approach these things. You want a free market. I agree. I'm very pro-capitalism, right? right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you think about things like liquor and other sin-type drugs, yeah, right? They're wrong. No, but you know, it's, it's a very interesting discussion, and uh, I don't mind when it comes from the fuddy-duddies. I don't mind when, the, when people step up and say, I hate fucking cannabis. I'm going to punish these guys by creating less licenses or moratoriums or whatever mm -hmm. because I perceive that that's going to hurt them. Okay, that's good. Your heart is in the wrong place, but you're genuine. Mm -hmm. What bothers for me is like when members of our cannabis industry who claim to support mm. cannabis and the cannabis community and the cannabis culture and the cannabis plant, which has a great tradition of freedom, like this guy, step <laughs> up and say, hey, you know what, legislators, you should restrict access to it. You should restrict the market. 
You don't want a dispensary at every corner. And, and that, to me, okay, if that's your agenda and that's who you're going to be, be that person. But try being a brand it's who says, so try, being, try being a retailer who says, you know what, I went to the Capitol to lobby against the expansion of the cannabis industry and the lowering the prices and what's in the best interest of the patients and consumers. That's what I represent as mm -hmm. a brand, whether it's retail or, or brand. You can't do that. And what they do is they hire lobbyists behind the scenes to manipulate and craft things and to work quietly with the fuddy-duddies. And I've seen it happen all across the United States, mm -hmm. local jurisdictions and states. And so that kind of stuff just drives me nuts, and I like to call it out. That's why, you know, you have a little bit of history. And I can tell, you know, you're a pretty genuine guy, but you can share with us a little bit about how things really happen in Montana. Yeah. So you see where I'm coming I from do. with all that. Yeah. You think I'm wrong? I I personally really like Get limited market. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, limited license <laughs> markets only. I do not really like, for, for example, New York or California, even um, just because I think too many licenses have been given out. It kind of seems like a dumpster fire now. Surplus, and, surplus black market. Yeah. And what happens in that situation, right? Yeah. Is Prices, a bunch of companies market. go under. Yeah. But they don't go under. They just move all their stuff to the black market. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you see in California. Yeah, of course. So how do you Same address with that? Yeah. Right. You know? Well, and you cut their fingers off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Let's use our imagination. Right. Civil, right. criminal, sanctions, yep. Because that product doesn't punish. disappear. Right. In, in other industries, that product disappears. But in, in, in cannabis is a very specific use case for that where, you know, because it, there's that surplus and they can move it to the black market. Yeah. You're still affecting the price. You're still affecting the businesses that mm. are trying to go through those laws. Right. And you can undercut them with probably higher margins right there while everyone else like Apogee Gardens and these other people who are trying to, I think, push the industry in a positive direction are being undercut by that exact capitalism perspective. And, and that's just my Well, my let's take. talk about it. Are there illegal or illicit grows in... Uh, Montana? Of course there are. Of course, but there is way less than yeah. a place like Oklahoma. Okay. Right? Oh. Yeah. You know? That's true. I think the population, I think, I think that's something that's really important. And, you know, we're, we're bordered by Wyoming, Idaho, the North and South Dakota. Um, you know, I can't count on my fingers how many of those guys I've seen out here. But in Montana, I mean, we're, we're still just barely over a million people in the entire state. Mm -hmm. Bozeman, Helena, Billings, Missoula, none of those towns are really breaking over 250,000. Bozeman, 70,000 maybe during yeah. the college season. And so there's these high influxes oh, that come right. in. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I think population does restrict, even with 3 million people coming for Yellowstone a year and 3 million in, up, in, uh, up in Glacier. I mean, you look at a tourist market like Colorado, they got 90 million people a year with visitors. Yep. So I think there is a, a population restriction in Montana. And, you know, hopefully we can get these regulations ironed out before it continues to expand because it is expanding very quickly. It's a popular place to be. Hey, is there like a really cool Yellowstone dispensary that everybody knows about? Apogee Gardens. Is that, that's your, you're, you're the Yellowstone guy. What? Yeah, we're on the way. Wow. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, tagline for this YouTube is, if you're going to go to Yellowstone, stop at Apogee Gardens. That's right. The moose, are there moose in Yellowstone? Yes, absolutely. Because yep. the moose like, what's the best flower strain you have? Pink love. The moose life. Love pink love. That's there it. you go. Something like that. There you that. go. That's the I biggest that. issue we face is, is moose eating all the, all the cannabis, you know, <laughs> yeah. something we deal with every day. I love that. I just, well, what are, what, I don't want to get to the big tourist so attraction in Montana. What's next legislatively in Montana? Yeah, so, you know. The, the topics that are near and dear to me that are coming down the pipe are going to be, obviously, what happens with testing. Mm -hmm. um, 
what they do with the tiering system, right? Because right now the maximum tier is a 12, and I think that's 30,000 square feet. That's the biggest company in Montana. Mm -hmm. And there are companies that have hit that level and are ready to go up. The state needs to allow them to keep expanding, I think. Yep. You know, and so Well, you also gonna, want to prepare for interstate that, commerce. That's, where, you want your state to that's where, where your point comes in. I think capping that and that disconnect, the translation, not knowing that market from the re legislators, that's where I think that the re regulations need to be pulled back a little bit. Let these guys grow in a healthy, sustainable way. Mm. Mm. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. But you know what? Uh, is there anything else that you can think of off the top of your head? that people should know about the uniqueness of the Montana market? Something, something that like nobody else, I mean like the distances, like require this or that? Yeah, that's a good one, right? The only state I'm aware of that you can drive further to actually deliver a product and they don't have a legal market yet would be Texas. Yep. So yeah. when I'm on the road, I might make a wholesale sale and, and I might have to send my driver eight hours one way. Yep. Wow. So that's a bit about that's Montana. Crazy. It's a big state. Logistically, it's challenging. And so for brands that want to migrate over there, can they reach out to you guys? Absolutely. We, yep. we already carry a multi-state brand. We're their sole provider, Loon. And then, you know, I know a number of other companies have signed up, like Wana is in, wow. in uh, yeah. Montana. Definitely. So it's happening. Brands awesome. are starting to find good pro producers and, and sign on with us. What, what's the tax structure like there? Wholesale-wise. Yeah. So nothing on the wholesale. It's all taken at the retail level. Okay. It's 20% goes to the state, and then the individual county has the option to opt in or out of an yep. additional 3%. Okay. It's just similar gotcha. to Arizona. Yeah. Most yeah. of them would probably opt in. Most of them are. Yeah. Medical tax, is there a zero for medical tax? Is there Again, the county gets to choose yep. whether or not they opt in, and there is a 4% tax for the state. So all the medical patients have to pay that 20? No, they pay four. Oh, four. Plus potentially another three, depending on the county. So and that that, that opt-in, opt-out is always a... Uh, it's a little on the medical, yeah. less of them have opted in. So... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, I like the concept of, uh, of, of medical patients paying zero taxes. I agree. We, I agree. We need to fight as an industry to get there. My fear, and this is the other thing that's probably going to happen in this next session, is that they're going to try and pull away medical. Yeah. Because it's, we're a red state. The thing they're seeing is dollars, right? Yep. So they want everyone to pay that 20%, which we all agree is not the right answer. No. You know, I'll give you a little bit of a messaging argument. And I grew up very conservative, <clears throat> MAGA, conservative. <laughs> Anyways, so, okay. So, but here, here's what you tell the people, the fuddy-duddies. You say, look, you know, we need medical. Mm. We need a medical with zero taxes. It has to be that way. But we need it to be labeled medical because you want the messaging and the advertising and the communication and the understanding of cannabis to be that it's a medicinal substance, mm -hmm. um, not a recreational substance. So if you got rid of medical, you're going to probably encourage more high school kids to use it. Mm. So you want to refer to it as medical. That's the importance of the medical program. And then like the conservatives, the Republicans say, okay. Well, that's good. We're trying to start control messaging and stuff. They might take it overboard and start to try to control advertising stuff, which could be detrimental. But that understanding, that messaging helps protect medical. And ultimately, the most important people, the most important aspect of cannabis is how uh, accessible it is to those people who need it. And those are the patients. Yep. So I think it's worth, you know, playing that game. And I've been playing that game with a lot of people as I try to educate them about cannabis policy. Yeah. Looking but, at it as well, accessible health care. For, for yeah. people in Montana. Mm. Because at the end of the day, I mean, 
I think uh, House Bill 701 inc included uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yep. And and so you know we're continuing to evolve this, and I think medical, the idea of it, um, got a little bastardized when people were you know getting cards just for fun. But now I think the industry has evolved a lot since then, and I think we need to bring it back to say, hey, listen, there are truly medicinal uses for this. This isn't just rec. You know, the, yeah. we, we can't forget about those people that paved the ground before us. Well, you know, I came into the industry in 2012 thinking like, hey, this was these hippies figured out a really clever, politically viable way to get high. That was my perspective. Yep. And yep. I was wrong. I mean, I prosecuted for 10 years under that mentality. And I didn't understand, you know, medicinal remedies. I didn't understand therap therapeutical uses of cannabis. I didn't understand patients. I didn't understand the medicine. Mm -hmm. And as slowly, I took a three-year journey and came to understand the incredible therapeutical value of not just cannabis, but thousands of other herbal remedies. Mm, and yep. it's, we're not educated that way as Western society, conservative, buddy duddies and yep. all that kind of stuff. But I unraveled, I changed. And, uh, and and I learned a lot in my, mm. I, was, I think I was like 30 or something. 40. Well, and, that, and that, that goes to the point is but that this industry too. changes every year. I mean, from yeah. when MJ Biz was at the Rio to where we're at now here today, um, we're, we're ever evolving, ever changing. And, and it does fall on us to continue to keep that direction moving in a, in a positive and sustainable yeah. way and breaking those old habits and those old mentalities just like you did. And I think that first part of that is acknowledging your own bias yourself, mm. right? Yeah. Mm. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, that's why I kind of consider myself like the first cannabis philosopher because <laughs> I, I came to understand <laughs> the liberty and freedom that inadvertently became a theme of this plant. Mm -hmm. Because of prohibition, we created this movement of people that were just fighting for freedom, you know, in the black market, gray market, just doing their thing. And then the spirit of rebellion, all that kind of stuff got interwoven with the cannabis uh, identity, mm -hmm. right? And that's why, because I spent a lot of time reflecting on freedom and how I was a prosecutor, sons of a bitches like me, inadvertently, just doing what the le legislators told us to do, were denying people freedom. Yeah. How could we ever do that? The freedom to choose. The, the importance of that is extraordinary. The freedom to change. And, you know, I never internalized it until COVID. And Interesting. When they, when they started to take freedoms from me, and I said, holy shit. Yep. Yeah. Okay. The most important thing I can do for the rest of my life is advocate for freedom. Mm. And you're in this cannabis industry. You're around all these I mean, people. Look at us today. That should understand, who, who love the cannabis plant, who can understand that for 50, 60 years, the government just crushed mm. your freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, you should be bitter. You should distrust government. You should register as a libertarian or Republican. <laughs> you should try to keep government small mm. you know you should understand this don't trust dictatorships apartheids communists princes principalities democracies republicans democrats all those moose all, eating all of our weed they, I mean, the we moose were stop. even against where, where are we going to draw right. the line i think it's interesting <laughs> sorry uh, no no i, no, I, I agree but as well. they're from montana they yeah, feel there's, it they there's feel no other freedom. industry that has we do feel medical and right? recreational Right. So, I mean, yep. imagine if they did this with codeine or with, you know, other prescription drugs mm. out there um, where they had a medical and recreation. It just wouldn't happen. Right. right. Only with cannabis. Thank so that's God what you makes guys it have two senators. It's very special. it's very unique. But I, I think to your point, though, is, you know, you, you you were we were all part of that generation. I'm in my yeah. late 30s. My family, you know, ever all of us are in that same age group where it was demonized and we were towards the tail mm. end of that. But now look at where you're here today. Once you're prosecuting, you you know you, you look at yourself. Where am I at? Where do I want to stand in this industry? And and now look at look at everyone here today. I mean, it's it's a completely different uh, 
completely different outlook. I remember when in 2012, I was thinking to myself, Vegas, my family got its first license. It's the reason <laughs> I got into this in 2012. I remember thinking to myself, my God, if I could get into that evidence room and just grab all those bales, you know, just <laughs> take them because uh, we don't need to talk about oh, that. Oh, boy. You guys are awesome. Montana's awesome. I love you guys. You guys are incredible industry leaders. Thank you. Nationwide, obviously, the state of Montana. And uh, Sergio? Yeah, you're, I mean, I learned a lot. You're going to re-register? I'm already registered libertarian. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. good band, good band. Um, well, thank you guys as well. Yeah, yeah. enjoyed it, guys. Yeah, no, now I really want to visit Montana. It's a beautiful place to go. Yeah. Free, freedoms and fresh air out I there. I got to check out Apogee. Apogee, uh, absolutely. Please do. Get, what was it, the... Str- uh, what was the restraint that you recommended? Apogee. Oh, Pink Love. Pink Love. Yeah, that's Yellowstone. It. Pink Love. That's what Take I mean. Take the get. moose, Pink Love. Yes. This has been another episode of Meet Unshackled. Thank you, my friends from Montana. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, guys. Yeah.